Welcome to Forging the Norsatch, a podcast for entrepreneurs, startups, small business owners, and the supporters of the Northern Utah entrepreneurial ecosystem, presenting an interesting topic of the day and an enlightening interview with a new company or organization that supports business in the Norsatch, presented by the Economic Development Office of Weber State University. Welcome to Forging the Norsatch. This is Gaila Tender, episode number 21, June 2021. My co-host today, again, is James Taylor of the Office of Sponsor Projects at Weber State University. And joining James and I for our organization for this episode will be Sheridan Mordu of Hip and Humble. Before we get with Sheridan, we're going to work with uh, Chuck Lenhart of the Ogden Weber Chamber of Commerce. He's going to talk to us about networking. Some upcoming events, uh, the Davis Chamber of Commerce is having a wonderful golf tournament. They had one in June, but now they're having another one. And so go check out the, the Davis Chamber of Commerce website uh, for a July 19th golf tournament at the Valley View Golf Course. So yeah, lots of golf this summer. So that should be fun. Guy, let's, can I, let's talk about the Wildcat microphone here a little bit too, if you don't mind. Again, for all those entrepreneurs who are looking to get their start, um, the Wildcat Microphone really is a great place to go and get some mentoring, get some resources, and kind of become part of the entrepreneurial ecosystem here, in, especially here in Northern Utah. So if you have any interest, um, go to wildcatmicrophone.org. And from there, that's a website, and there's an application that you can kind of get onto, and it, it'll help you kind of get started. And also, for those um, for the Hispanic community, we're also kind of offering an arm through the Suazo Center um, as well. And if so, if you'd like to connect, email the Swazo Center at Andrea, which is A-N-D-R-E-A at SwazoCenter.org. And then again, we'll be able to kind of connect you with the right kind of resources if, if you're with the Hispanic community and give you a Spanish application if you prefer. So with that, I think I just want to make that plug that I think this is a great place and a great organization. And I think there's some interesting resources that can really help you get started. And tell your friends, right? It may not, this um, Wildcat Microphone and Swazzle Center may not be for you as a listener, but tell your friends. Uh, all yeah. ages and, and all types of businesses are welcome. Hey, let's get on with Ogden Weber Chamber of Commerce. Today, we're going to meet with uh, Chuck Lenhart of the Ogden Weber Chamber of Commerce and and really understand the value that the chamber provides from a networking perspective. Chuck uh, spent some considerable time in Spokane, Washington, where I was born and raised, and he spent time there at Gonzaga University, which we all cheered for Gonzaga in the last uh, NC2A thing. So Chuck's got that going for him. Chuck served the last five years as the president and CEO of the Ogden Weber Chamber of Commerce and is originally from Northern Utah and attended college at Utah State University where he earned his bachelor's degree in marketing. He enjoys traveling, hiking, fishing, and stand-up paddleboarding in the Utah mountains and lakes. And he currently resides in Pineview and has been married to his wife, Laura, for 27 years. Congratulations, Chuck. And they have three children. If you wanna learn more about Chuck, episode 13, we, we spend more time with Chuck and his background. It's quite an interesting episode. Today, we're going to be a little shorter and just talk about network. Welcome aboard, Chuck. How are you today? Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much, Guy. It's great to be with you again. I appreciate it. Yeah. And I really appreciate your time again on episode 13. 
and we spoke about your history uh, and how you got to Ogden and the the experience that you acquired at other universities and other marketing roles. And that's been quite valuable to our community. And you also spoke about the history of the Chamber of Commerce, one of the oldest chambers in the West, which is a great legacy that you're responsible for now maintaining. It's kind of a, a challenge sometimes, I imagine. <laughs> heavyweight, heavyweight. There's a, a lot of years behind us from 1887 till now. So uh, over 130 years. Yeah, and, and you're doing a fantastic job. Now, one of the things that the chamber, one of the main roles of the chamber is to create networking opportunities for, for businesses and people. Tell us more about why that's important and how the chamber does things like that. Yeah, it's a, one of the great uh, things about the chamber is it provides opportunities for people to get together and, and to connect. And, you know, you think about networking and Everybody has an image of what networking is in their mind of one, one thing or another, but the primary purpose of networking is, is people prefer to do business with those they personally know. And it's, a, it's all about a relationship and establishing a relationship with that. And so the chamber really does a great job of, of connecting those people and providing a platform, if you will, so people can get together and, and do the networking. I've been to a couple of networking events um, that you guys have hosted, and I'm kind of an introvert. And when I walked in, I was I was embraced and welcomed by those there. It was quite comforting to know I wasn't the one that had to be the icebreaker or the approaching others. It was very welcoming and relaxing at the same time. I don't know how you orchestrate that culture, but that's been wonderful from my perspective. So thank you for doing that's that. That's good to hear. That's wonderful to hear. And, and you know, that uh, that type of mindset, too, is is a cultural thing um, about why you go to a networking event. And and you think about that as you go into an event, you know, what is it that I'm supposed to get out of this? And sometimes you're there for to learn something about what the event's for, or maybe it might be surely purely a, a networking event. And that's why you're there. But I think, you know, at its grassroots, uh, that mindset there might be a couple of different approaches. One might be short-term. Okay, I'm going to go in there and I need something immediately. I'm trying to get something. Maybe it's just a connection. But for the most part, networking really at the chamber is more long-term in nature. And relationships do take time to develop. You know, there are certain rules of business that stand the test of time. You get out of it, what you put into it is one of those rules uh, that that we really embrace here at the chamber and we provide that to, on a long-term basis. So that, that long-term relationship building is where it's at. And we get a lot of calls uh, and, and people asking us about networking and, you know, and, they, and they'll want to know, hey, how do I plug in? How do I get involved and engaged and get the most out of the chamber? And that's really a great place to start because every person is different. They all have a, a unique need and uh, a lot of it does stem from networking. So if you can get involved, ask a chamber member, ask another chamber staff, you know, where should I plug in? Uh, but get involved and uh, kind of have in your mind, you know, what kind of matches are best for me and my organization? What do I need from this? And then you'll know where to start. So some of the events are curated for different purposes. I think you have like a women in business, 
monthly event and you have others, what are some of the examples of networking events that maybe are repeated or annual uh, that you provide with the chamber? That's a great question. Where at the chamber can you connect? And uh, events are a big one. We have a monthly business after hours. We just had one last night at Warren's Craft Burger down here on 25th Street. Uh, Lee, uh, Dean, and her team put together a great event. And the second Wednesday of every July, we have a, a business after hours event at different locations throughout the county. The next one will be on July 14th um, out at Ogden Pioneer Days. And we have Ogden Regional Hospital uh, sponsors that one. Fantastic lay of the land. I mean, the spread of, of gourmet food would blow your mind. It's just oh, wow. uh, amazing. So really fun one. We have the rodeo royalty come out and then it's a great networking event. Referral groups. Referral groups are another one that are actually dedicated for networking where you build relationships and then people give and receive referrals. And so it's an exchange group and we have those set up and you don't have to compete in those. We give those by seats. And so we have a couple of those and we're actually developing one online as well for all chamber members to engage with. That's a super productive one. Committees. Committees are another really wonderful way to, uh, to network. You know, the core root of the word committees is commit. Yeah. And so if you're gonna engage in a committee, please commit to it and do it. And if you do that, I guarantee you, you'll have a great opportunity to network. And uh, it's about building your, your reputation, right? And if you do that um, and over deliver, it's a wonderful thing. We have a great committee uh, called the Women in Business. Uh, Women in Business, uh, they meet monthly as well on the fourth Tuesday. And so July 20th, actually in July, because of the 24th holiday, we're meeting and it's gonna be a service-based event uh, super fun. And so a great opportunity to connect with our women business, which is the largest committee in the chamber and actually the largest uh, women in business committee in the state. Wow. So super good opportunity there to connect and network. Volunteer opportunities, uh, as an example, you can get involved with our golf classic coming up on August 18th. A really neat opportunity. And again, all of these are a little bit different, right? So who do you need to engage with and thinking through that process yeah. about who would be best for my type of organization and who I, who I need to connect with. And then, you know, something that often goes by about networking that people don't think about, social media, the chamber newsletter are great opportunities. And so we send out a lot of information. And if you're paying attention, and look through the newsletter, you'll see new members listed or happenings around the community that are happening. And as a member, you see those things, write a note down and send it to the individuals that those at those businesses saying, hey, congratulations on your success, or I see you, you're out and about, and it makes a connection. That's, a, that's another networking opportunity that's not face-to-face, -face, but highly effective. It's nice to get those notes from people, right? Even if they, it's not necessarily you need something right then. It's just a nice kind of pay it forward yeah. kind of thing. And, and how how that makes me feel when I get notes like that. It's a very positive thing. Right. And not everyone are extroverts, right? Not everyone <laughs> uh, can so do true. that. And having a purpose for meeting other people, like you talk about being on a committee, it's just not just talking with people. It's engaging with people with a mission and a purpose also makes it easier uh, to learn about other people. 
I liked your idea about demonstrating your work ethic and your commitment. And people love people that work hard and, yeah. and do what they yeah. say. That Rely means a lot. You. That means a lot. So thank you, Chuck, for that. So one thing I always tell our listeners is go to the Ogden Weber Chamber of Commerce website and click on your events tab. There's a calendar there with a, a lot of these things that Chuck was talking about and annual events like the Athena Award that you just had last month and and other events that you guys host. It's a, it's a great organization. And I really appreciate your comments about yeah. how to network and why. It's not always... I need this right now. It's just meeting people. And it is. It's put yourself out there and making those connections. Not everyone that you meet um, is going to be your customer necessarily, um, but a connection, a long-term connection is important. So, you know, being able to be prepared is a big part of it and be a, be a giver and a receiver, you know, learn about other people, uh, go into it with a, a spirit of what can I give to this and learn about other people, um, their business, and then share something about you and keep it light. The part of about networking is not about closing the deal uh, right there. It's about building that relationship. And then you can go back and do some follow-up and have the personal meetings later. And uh, the best networkers, if you watch them, they come early, they're friendly, they keep it light, they work the room, they give out their business cards. A lot of times, I'll fill my, my pocket with business cards and I'll give them out and I leave them in my shirt pocket and then wash my shirts. And then I pull out all of the fuzz afterwards and try to get it out. Get rid of all your business cards. Yeah, that's good advice. <laughs> and, then, uh, and, then, and then stay a little longer, linger longer, linger longer, be the last, last person to leave. Yeah. And uh, that's when the best networking is done at toward the very end, I promise you, if you stay that's when the very best will happen. So lots of opportunities at the chamber. We're just so happy to, to be part of this. Please give us a call if we can help you build your business and uh, get people engaged, whether it's building your business, promoting it, helping your employees build relationships, being connected in the community. That's what we're here for and love to help. What a great resource. I agree. So again, folks, go to the Ogden Weaver Chamber of Commerce uh, website. It's a great website. And what a place to get connected with to really, like you said, help your business thrive. That's your sole purpose. So thank you, Chuck, for joining our show again today. Hopefully we'll have you on in a couple months again. You're very welcome, Guy. Thanks for having me. Uh, all right. Thank you. James, today we get to visit with Sheridan Mordu of Hip and Humble. Yeah, Sheridan's great. I know Sheridan from from my past life as a child. And I think her story is fascinating. It's going to be really fun to talk to her. Yeah. And during our pre-interview, you can just tell the energy that she has. It's, it's fantastic. Sheridan is the owner of Hip and Humble, a woman's lifestyle boutique store. She started this store over 23 years ago after graduating from the University of Utah. And she has several locations and is known for carrying fun and colorful driven collection of gifts, clothing, and home accessories. My wife loves the store. She goes there all the time. Through many successful years of business, she has become passionate about the economic impact of local, independent, and small businesses, which is what this podcast is about. You can find her engaged in many city and statewide organizations supporting and guiding for small businesses. 
She loves shopping and uh, enjoys mountain biking and hiking with her husband, who's also a friend of mine as well, and hauling her five children around in her quest for viewing Native American archaeological treasures. That's a lot of hiking to do. Welcome to the show, Sheridan. How are you today? I am so great. Thanks for having me. Well, you're welcome. So, Sheridan, it's our staple question to get the show going. Tell us where you like to get your favorite taco. Well, you might be disappointed by this answer because my favorite place to get a taco is right here at home. Ryan, my husband and I, we love to cook. So um, experimenting with the taco at home is uh, pretty fun. I think I've had one of Ryan's tacos. And I, would, <laughs> Probably, I would agree. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not bad. So. <laughs> I was going to say, it's going to get kind of awkward when me and guys show up at your house looking for tacos. Yeah. But I know, just, right? Just be prepared. <laughs> Well, we're vegetarian as well, so it'll probably be like the sweet potato taco as well. Sounds fantastic. Yeah. Sheridan, so, you know, we, we grew up in the same neighborhood in Battleful, and it was really fun talking with you yesterday, but maybe just kind of give us a, an overview of our childhood and, and, and growing up in Battleful and how that was, what it was like. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it was kind of funny talking to you because I, I really just think about my childhood as really typical, but you kind of had a different vision of it, that it was a pretty charming upbringing. And you know what? You're right. It really, really was. There were tons of kids in our neighborhood. And whether you were six years old or 16 years old, we were all outside playing all day long. And we just had a riot. It was a really, really good time. Yeah, it, it really was. And, and what was funny about that is I remember just showing up at people's houses and like the parents would come home and we'd all be just sitting there eating their food. And that was just a total normal, normal event. So it really was. Absolutely. The doors were always open to everyone's houses. And wow. I don't think we called anyone's parents by like Mr. Mordu or anything. We always called everybody's parents by their first name. Yeah, it really was. It was, it was a really great childhood and a lot of fun to grow up. So with that, you, we also went to the same high school. So I'm, you know, Woods Cross. I'm a Woods Cross wildcat till I die kind of thing. But talk about kind of, you know, your high school passions and, and, and going to Woods Cross. Oh, my gosh. Well, um, you know, I kind of did the typical uh, girl thing. I did the cheerleader thing. I did the drill team thing. I was a really good student, you know, graduated with high honors. And I just loved doing school. It was it, that was pretty much a passion of mine was school in and of itself. So I had lots of friends. I was pretty social. So, yeah. Well, one of the things you did after high school is you went to the University of Utah and you studied English, and that's that's not common for people to study English. Uh, we've recorded a few people, and they and they started in English, and then they end up somewhere else. But you love English, so tell us about your passion for the subject of English. Yeah, absolutely. I started reading really young, and I have always just loved and devoured books for sure. And um, I think that's where my passion for learning comes from is just reading actually. So when I got to college, I really had no idea what I wanted to do, but I knew I loved to read. And if you love to read, English is your major. So I kind of just fell into it because I really love to read. The benefit of being an English major was you really learn how to communicate. You learn how to speak. More importantly for me, I think in my career has been uh, to learn how to write. And I, I don't think I understood the importance of my skill or even uh, my passion for writing until 
later in my life, like in my late thirties, when I started writing a blog for the store and really started to maybe put myself out there a little bit more with writing, you know, like on our social media. And I realized like, well, I really have a talent for this. And it definitely came from all those years in college. So. And I think what you're talking about, your forming of writing and, and how you create a strategy for a paragraph or a sentence and looking at your website, how you communicate even visually and with short blurbs of words to describe photos. That's a, that's in a talent that if you weren't in, uh, if you weren't in retail, you could be in marketing and, and promotion. And Yeah, I totally agree with you. If you can make something come alive um, with your words, I think it's just amazing. It fascinates me. And maybe that's what my fascination with reading is, is, you know, seeing something come alive and whether it's a description of a picture you're actually looking at, or if it's just a blank page, but the picture becomes created in your head. It's, I think it's an amazing, an amazing talent. So yeah, like I said, I don't think I realized I had that talent till later in my career. And it's been, it's been really rewarding for me to see that out of myself. So well, it, it shows in your, in, uh, for sure, in your website and, and even in this interview, you're very articulate. So thank you. Thank for you that. so much. Yeah. And so you come from a family of entrepreneurs. And, and so starting your, your first company was kind of natural for you. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of a given. Um, people always ask, like, how did you get started or why did you decide to do that? And honestly, I can't even, it's just what, it's just what we did in my family. You know, my grandfather's an entrepreneur, my dad, all my brothers, all my sisters, we are a legacy of entrepreneurs. And so I, I honestly didn't think really anything about it, except of course I'm going to open a store or, you know, my vision of myself as a young girl was really owning a little shop, having a couple of kids, driving my little Volvo wagon. I mean, that's honestly how I pictured my life. So, yeah. Sharon, what's so interesting about that is that you were, you were still pretty, I mean, you were in college when you started your first store. Talk a little bit about that. I mean, how did you make that, that initial jump? That's such a really, I, at least I consider it to be a fairly early age. Yeah, I was really young. I look back and I'm like, man, I should have had a lot more fun <laughs> when I was younger. But um, so I had just graduated from college and I had, I took a year um, from the day I graduated from college and I worked for a big corporate uh, insurance company based out of Atlanta. And I did that for about a year and I just it was fun. I got to travel a little bit, but I just wasn't super passionate about it. And at the end of the year, I just decided, you know, this just isn't really what I want to do. And at the time, my sister had sold her partnership in a, another little business she had, and her and I joined forces and opened up Hip and Humble together. So yeah, I, I was really young. And I think that I was too stupid to think I could fail. <laughs> really naive. I had nothing to lose. And I actually, the thought of losing or failing, I don't think it even crossed my mind. Yeah. Um, it just, like I said, it was just what we did in our family. And so I guess another way to say it is I didn't really have a choice. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's just what we did. 
So but I, th- I think that's really interesting that that and I think that's a credit to you, you know, and I know your parents and they're fantastic people, but I think it's a credit to, to your parents and to your upbringing that they instilled in you this confidence that you could be an entrepreneur because it does. I mean, you kind of have to be at least at some point fearless, right? Because it is it is a pretty big, scary thing to do. Oh, absolutely. Like if I had to do do this now, I mean, I'd be scared to death. It, it, it's a really big deal. And, you know, I mean, back then I started with just, I mean, I think my opening cash amount was like $30,000, right? I mean, I tried to open a store with virtually nothing on the shelves <laughs> and, and I built it from there. And, you know, now we have several locations and you know, my inventory is hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. So to look at it, like now looking at the store, I mean, that just feels overwhelming to go from nothing to that. So yeah, that's really big and scary. And I think a lot of people maybe look at, you know, uh, being a business owner in that way from going to zero to a hundred, but maybe really it's, you know, the lifetime of a, of your business. And it's going from, zero to a hundred in a, in a long period of time. I mean, I've been doing this for 24 years now and it just doesn't happen overnight. It's years and years and days and months of growing, you know, and building this business that now I look at, I'm like, wow, this is something really, really big and really, really cool. So. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting to talk about the kind of evolution of, of your store. So, I mean, what was, what was, what was your vision? So you're, you're 23 years old, you, you quit your job, you're starting a new store. So what was your initial vision for, for Hip and Humble? So our initial vision for Hip and Humble was we wanted to have a furniture store. I've always loved home interiors. Like it's super, super, super passion of mine. Textiles, I could just stare at them all day long. So we wanted to open up this furniture store and do custom furnishings. So you you could come in and buy a sofa, pick out uh, what fabric you wanted, or you could come in and buy a cabinet and pick the color or the um, finished work on it. And so we're doing big, big pieces, large ticket items. And we kind of our edge um, or our proposition to the community was that we were going to offer not only these modern big pieces, but we were also going to offer these vintage um, locally little found treasures. And it was just this really fun eclectic mix of old and new items. And so we had this really big customer base of people that were looking or in the market for furniture for their home, but also these kind of quirky customers that wanted to find something really unique, something found, something old that they could put up on a bookshelf or something like that in their home. I, so that's really interesting. But hey, Sharon, before we go, because I really want to get into how you evolve your business. Yeah. I think this is a really interesting part of your yeah. Let me ask you kind of a tangent question. Okay. How did you guys come up with the name Hip and Humble before we go any farther? Okay. So, you know, really, man, that was really hard for us to come up with a name. And basically at the very end, after months and months of trying to come up with a name, my sister and I jumped in the car and we're like, let's just get out of town. Let's just like clear our minds. We jumped in the car, we took turns driving and we had this big, huge stack of magazines with us from fashion to home furnishings. And we would, whoever was driving, the other person would start looking through magazines and try and get 
inspiration. And I think it was me that was driving at the time. And my sister was flipping through magazines and kind of yelling out words or, you know, different things. And it just kind of started to fall out of her mouth, like hip. And, and then we we're just kind of going, and then it was this hip and humble. And when we put that together with the idea that we had for the store, which was this mix of old and new home furnishings, it was like, man, this works perfectly together. And, you know, the brilliance of the name is that, you know, we've, we're going to talk a little bit about our evolution was that it didn't really pigeonhole us into, you know, we weren't um, creative cabinetry, you know, we were hip and humble. And so I think it just allowed the store to become whatever it needed to be, which looking back now after 24 years has been a huge piece of its success. Yeah, I'd agree. It's a brilliant name, right? And, really, and like you said, as we start to talk about kind of evolution, you didn't have to rebrand everything. Um, that name really has followed. And I think it's, it's a big part of your success. So let me jump back into your kind of story now. Now we know where the, the name comes from. So now <laughs> you started your store, you, you have this vision, kind of more big ticket items and those kind of things. Uh-huh. But all of a sudden now there's some historical events that begin to happen, right? Absolutely. Um, that, that now cause your business to evolve. So maybe kind of talk about how, talk about that. Well, you know, the first big thing that happened was 9-11 and, you know, a lot of us that lived through that, I mean, the, the world just changed instantaneously and you just felt it. I mean, you, you felt it that very moment. And so the store had to change with that. People really clammed up on their wallets. They didn't want to open them up and we were selling big ticket items. Um, about that same time, Target came in to Salt Lake City and all the big box stores started offering furniture and, you know, so we kind of had to rethink what we were doing and, and people, since they were holding on to their wallets, wanted to spend less and we were doing custom furniture that was not inexpensive. So we started kind of branching out a little bit. The first big shift that we had, and it was kind of an experiment really was, you know, funny enough, one of our little neighbor friends from the Bountiful days she lived across the street from me and she came into the store with this beautiful glass case full of jewelry that she had made. And she asked if I would sell it for her. And of course I would probably say no to anyone else, but since it was, you know, a neighbor from the old days, I had to say yes. And I put this little glass box of jewelry up on the counter and surprisingly it started selling. <laughs> and a few weeks later, I'm like, Hey, Annie, I need some more jewelry for your box. And that was this first glimpse into, we don't just have to sell furniture. We can sell something else and it's okay. And people will buy it. It's okay. This isn't, this isn't weird. This isn't crazy. People like it. They want it. And it started us down this path of kind of experimenting with what people wanted. And that's probably the biggest, I think, learning point was, being able to understand what a customer wants and let go of maybe what you want to offer the customer, but let the customer tell you what it is, you know, they're looking for. And that's really about how they spend their money. It's where their dollars are. That's how they tell you what they want. So. But I also think it's just a big credit to you because, you know, it's, it's funny because you had this vision in your mind, but you were, 
you were adept enough to understand that things had to change. And so it's funny that this little experience that you, it sounds like you may have kind of even been resistant to happened. And you're like, oh, wait a minute. I got to step back here a little bit and maybe we look at my business model. I think it, it, it kind of speaks to your ability to adapt and be flexible. I think it's really interesting. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I think that's a little bit inherent to my personality is I, I'm not really afraid of change. I'm not really afraid to mix things up. Um, so I think I was pretty open to that idea. I, I look at a lot of people in my life and I feel like I hold on more tightly to, you know, what they think they should be or what their business should be. Um, and I think being more relaxed, letting go of it and letting it kind of happen um, allows it to live and breathe and become, become what it needs to be. So I don't know. That's how I really actually look at my business a lot. I mean, like I said, we've been through lots of different, you know, evolutions of the store from the beginning. We only sold big pieces of furniture and through 24 years and many, um, you know, cycles in the economy, if you look at the store now, we don't sell any furniture. I don't even sell a lamp. (laughs) (laughs) I sell giftware and I sell women's shoes and I sell women's clothing. And over that 24 years, that is what my customers told me they wanted. And that's where they were spending their dollars. And that's where I kept reinvesting in my business. And, and that's what it is right now. Is there, is there another, you know, revolution for the store? Possibly, possibly there is. I mean, maybe we go all the way back to furniture, but right now this is really working. And I think our biggest testament to it working is, you know, we were invited um, or at least asked to submit a proposal to the Salt Lake City Airport because they loved our concept and they wanted, they need gift stores out there. And so we submitted a proposal we won the contract. And after we won the contract, they said, Hey, by the way, we were wondering if you wanted to put in a second store in terminal B. And I was like, you bet I do. (laughs) So right now it's working. And I think the community around us has spoken that that's what they want. That's what they need is the hip and humble that I have right now. So, so Sheridan, as you mentioned, you have some stores at the airport now, tell us where Mm -hmm. all your stores are at. So our flagship store is on 9th and 9th in Salt Lake City, fun neighborhood. Um, it's actually 1043 East, 9th South. And then we have one in Bountiful, of course, homage to my old days. And then we have one at Station Park in Farmington. And that one we opened right before COVID. So I think people are still finding us out there. And um, that store is really growing right now. So super excited about that. And then we opened just this past September um, in the new airport. And we have um, a store in Terminal A and in Terminal B. Well, that's great. So folks out there, um, look at the hipandhumble.com website and you'll find more specifics of what they have. They have a big online presence now from her pivot during COVID. Uh, Sheridan, tell us, you know, we have a lot of entrepreneurs and young entrepreneurs thinking about growing their business or getting into their own business. What's some advice that you might give some of these young folks? Well, I think we kind of talked about what I feel has made me a success, which is being willing to, you know, evolve with your business. And we all have to come up with a business plan to get started. 
but be willing to maybe let go of that or not hold so tightly to it so that your business can be what the community needs it to be. So I think that's my advice. It's a scary thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're, you're open-minding this and you're willing to let the river guide you, right? Instead of fighting the river, letting it guide you. I know James has advised me of that. Sometimes it's better to let the river guide you than paddle upstream. And I, I think you've done an incredible job there. So again, folks, go to hipandhumble.com and you can see your website there. Sheridan, thank you so much for joining our show today. Thank you so much for having me. It was really fun. Yeah. And James, thank you for, for joining us too. No, thank you. This has been a great, great interview and it's a great story. Thanks, Sheridan. Yeah, we've been able to catch up a little bit. So it's been awesome. Yeah. yeah. Thanks to you both. And thanks to Chuck Lanhart of the Ogden Chamber of Commerce for his advice on networking. And always thanks to Quinn Ulrich, Andrew Baltazar, and Studio 76 of Weber State University for producing our show today. Thank you so much for listening to the latest presentation of Forging the Norsatch. Please look for all future installments bi-weekly on Tuesdays on your preferred podcast provider.